Taylor Walker from the Other Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giant. It's Brad Avery from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another of our 50 Keeper Prospect Targets. The good news is uh, our Patreons have been getting these regular really daily profile pieces and article pieces uh, to be able to kind of look through some of these players more in depth truth be told it's not been every day uh, but uh, nonetheless we're bringing it back to you whether you're listening to this via uh, itunes or whether you listen via spotify why don't you take you through the next seven of who both kane and i think are among the best keeper league prospects and i suppose kane to res- you know to come right back to the start the premise is that this isn't our ranks of where you draft them this is rather who we think are the most valuable prospects to get in a keeper league. Yeah, exactly. The, the actual drafting pick will you know, be largely determined what your strategy is. We've spoken about that with a few guys already, and we definitely will speak about that going forward. Obviously, age, just the whole list profile is such a balance, and that's what makes you know, keepers so fun is there's no real right or wrong way to do it. You know, It's all about getting that whole collective together. So to actually put them in an order, I think, is you know, near impossible and, and pointless. But to have a value and explain why some players are worth more with a certain list build to others is, yeah. is the best way to do it. It's true. Already before this episode that's gone public, Braden Fiorini, Jay Gresham, Jacob Hopper, Andrew Brayshaw, Jordan Degoe, Jack Steele, Tim English. That is where we left you last just a couple of weeks ago, friends. Now in at number 43, maybe a slightly controversial one, Seb... Ross makes our list in at 43, Kane. Our oldest player so far in the list, midfielder, has had some ups and downs, but as we've seen late last year and over previous seasons, when allowed to be that pure midfielder that he is, he's one of those guys that can reach those 110 sort of numbers consistently as a player. Yeah, and I think the thing that immediately jumped out the page for us, MJ, in the formula that we put together is he's missed one game in the last four seasons. Mm. So we know in draft, unlike salary cap, the drop-off when you lose a premium player is massive. Especially so have a the guy midfield that's missed too. one, oh, especially the midfield. There's not much on the waivers you can even pick up to replace. So no. he's played 87 of a possible 88 home and away games. And it's incredible with Seb Ross, his back end of the year, particularly those last four to five games, which we know is when you're going to win the premiership or not. He has an amazing ability to put on runs of 120 plus for four or five weeks. He's one of these guys that, and again, finals is the time where you want your premium scoring well. Um, He's one of these guys that, you know, he's not the most elite outside player far from it. That's not where he's at his strongest, but when he's allowed to be that inside clearance ball winner, add that defensive pressure that St Kilda has at times really lacked through the midfield he's shown he can go on massive massive scoring runs even last year in what was considered a down year um, he still managed to turn up 41 percent of the time he's got a career high score of 160 and this is down year is coming off a, a really mix and mash style of year under different coaches um, but if you look back to the previous seasonal averages 107 in 2018 102 in 2017 and a 98 um, in 2016 yes he's on the older side at 27 but we are seeing a guy like i said he gets the role he's a 105 110 midfielder and in a any any man's form let alone in a draft that's incredibly highly valuable 
Yeah, and that's the thing, as you said, MJ, 94 last year, and a lot of things didn't go right for him at all, whether it was role, he was played on the outside, he was played mm. half forward, half back, and he still put together a 94. The promising thing is when Ratten did take over, he was more back in the midfield. Yeah. He's produced, you know, an over 100 last few games of the season. So his scoring hasn't gone anywhere. It's not like he's fallen off a cliff. It's just where does he settle into this Saints team? And when I look at a guy that, if that's nothing went his way and he went 94 yeah. and we know what the promise can be again, a one Oh five midfielder with near impeccable durability. Like you can build your team around that pretty safely. And I think that's his one trait. When you put the availability again, a 160 MJ, there's a lot of guys that we haven't even mentioned on this list yeah. who are ahead of him who have not hit that level. And they're names that you would think, Oh, surely they've got a, a better career high. No. But it's he's an underwhelming sort of player in that he doesn't, you know, burst through a game. He just goes about his business. Yeah. But don't get confused. This guy has a genuine elite ceiling. Yeah. Out of the next 15 players, only two of them have a stronger ceiling than him. That's how good he can be. I suppose the one concern before we move on to the player at number 42. Again, Patreons are getting real daily in-depth articles and podcasts around these players specifically. Um, I suppose the concern is that role, even last, you know, it's one game and we haven't factored in round one into what we've done here. But last time he did manage to get on the field 22 disposals you know it's not bad seven score involvements okay but just the one clearance um didn't really get much midfield time and i suppose that's that one concern for us but again there is a silver lining to it the concern is okay he is still not guaranteed that midfield role i suppose the one positive is yep he gets the midfield role he's that 105 mid negative he's probably that 85 back and that's not horrendous I suppose the downside is you're probably drafting him as that 100 mid. Yeah, again, that is that is a concern if that did happen. It's still pretty incredible, MJ, that, as I said, last year in terms of scoring, he had quite a dip. Mm. He was still the best and fairest winner at the Saints. So it's not like when you start getting real issues is when you have a dip in scoring yeah. and a dip in a thing, in a statistic like a best and fairest, when clearly the club starts devaluing what they're doing as well. That's when you get real alarm bells. So yeah. the Seb brought... When Sebros still wins the best and fairest in an underwhelming season, it's just, you know he's still clearly as highly regarded in, in the Saints as you can get. And just to throw another nugget in on this ceiling, Adam Trelaw, Elliot Yo, Zach Merritt, he's mm. got a higher ceiling than all these guys that we just yeah, think wow. you know are as good. Andrew Gap, like the list goes on. He's his ceiling, as I said, you don't think ceiling when you think Sebros, but he's got it. But he has that ability. Let's. Let's go to Rowan Marshall, MJ. Next oh. man on our list. Okay, we need to work on how we bait people through to the next number, mate. But that's nah. okay. Yeah, number nah. 40. I'm too excited. Rowan Marshall. Again, a lot of excitement around him last year. It was that perfect guy to pick up off the waiver wire, wasn't he? Uh, barely would have been drafted. Maybe was handcuffed with a Billy Longer if you were struggling for a late pick. Was forward eligible and everything went his way last year. Once he got into the side, played 20 games, uh, 12 tons across the year, just narrowly missing out on that 100 marker. Um, but as a ruck only this year, his stocks have cooled a bit. Not so much because of what he can do. But there's one big lumbering reason. People are a little bit turned off him this year. And that's because Paddy Wright has joined the club. Yeah, Paddy Wright has joined the club. And we spoke about in the, in the Rowan Marshall podcast that we both agreed that this isn't a slight on Marshall, Not the recruitment right. of Paddy Wright. We think that 
for St Kilda to get to where they want to go, it's going to require Max King becoming a Nick Rewalt level type of player. You know, yeah. an absolute premium, not just obviously fantasy scorer, but a forward. You know, someone who they can rely on 60 plus goals and be their real match winner in the air in the forward line when they need something to happen. And I think for his maturity, obviously coming off an ACL, didn't yeah. even debut last year. You know, they need big bodies that can can help him out down there, you know, so he doesn't get beaten up by the big defenders. And, you know, obviously, if you're a Rowan Marshall owner, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be patient. He's not going to assume that number one ruck role like Again. he had last year, probably yeah. for another year or two. Yep. But at the same time, MJ, if there was going to be a bit of a funny year in this year, it makes it a lot easier to hold him when one of those two years that Ryder will be probably in the side regularly yeah, is almost so gone away now. Yeah, it's true. It's this fascinating thing. The departure of Josh Bruce has forced St Kilda to really restructure that forward line, protect Max King. And what you're going to get as an owner is, one, he's probably not going to get drafted inside the top 50 selections. We'll get to some other rucks. Yes, there are more rucks to come. Someone might even go on Tim English a little bit ahead of Rowan Marshall because there's no clear competing number two. You're going to get him for value. Not maybe so much 40 will score this year, but what you're going to get over the next six years, he's 25. Um, he's just starting to hit his prime. He's going to learn that ruck craft even more under Paddy Ryder, who's actually a, a really good tap ruckman, really dominant around the stoppages. He's going to hone that craft a little bit more. And then what you're going to get as an owner is two things. One, he'll pick up dual position eligibility uh, across this year or next year, depending on how the AFL season rolls about, because he is role sharing with Ryder. So that's one thing you're going to get. You're going to get some versatility in your squad. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to get one year that is identical to what you got in 2019, which is a number one ruck who's capable of going high 90s, hundreds plus as a forward. That'll be a huge game changer for you in that season when it does eventuate when Ryder moves on. Yeah, we spoke about that as well, didn't we, MJ? That if you get your planning right, Mm. having a guy that's a Ford that's 100, that's pretty much the equivalent of a 110 ruck in the scarcity of the position. You know, you can pick up 80 rucks off the scrap heap every week. Yep. You know, you've re-stand these Matthew Cruises, these guys that you can just plug and play. Yeah. So when you take advantage of that in the Ford line, where, you know, a 75 is a good, you know, fifth Ford, yep. all of a sudden you've got a 10 to 15 point edge pretty much in every matchup um, that you go into because you can just really target those rucks that no one else rates and you just slot them in there to yeah. accompany Marshall. So if you can really build your list to be peaking in, you know, one to two years time. Yeah. He's the perfect one. I think you've it. got the inside track for a premiership. Yeah. And again, people are going to cool on him. They're going to see a, a slightly quieter year again. Now this is done off the premise of a brand new keeper league, but if you're in an existing one, um, three or four games into this season, should it return? And it's looking ominous that it will, which is fantastic. Um, he'll get, Jump on him before that DPP allocation comes. There'll be a, a frustrated owner. No doubt. Everyone that has him remembers the hundreds. They do not want to get those 50s and 60s, which he will get role sharing at times with Ryder. So, look, I think Marshall's are one of the best long-term keeper league ruck targets for you to go and get. Let's go to number 41, though. A guy that came, let's be honest, 12 months ago, if you were starting up a brand new keeper league, this guy probably would have gone 
maybe the second round um, at earliest, definitely would have been off the board in the third round. He was coming off an absolute monstrous year, averaging 105, stormed home um, over the back, really two-thirds of 2018. Um, I'm talking about Angus Brayshaw. He's he's really on a few people's never-again list, but he's only 24. He played 22 games last year, a feat he hasn't done for a long, long time since those multiple concussions. Even though he had an absolute train wreck of a year last year, there are reasons for it, and I believe those reasons have been rectified. Yeah, well, that's the thing, MJ. You could even argue that if you picked him, if you had your draft last year after the preseason, mm. you could honestly say that he was a late first-round pick yeah. because he had the 115 average in the second half of the season. He put, what, back-to-back 150s in shortened preseason games. Yeah. The role was there. And like you said, did not go Angus Brayshaw's way. It did not go Melbourne's way. No. But the inclusion of Ed Langs and Adam Tomlinson, that was the position that Melbourne really struggled with. You know, Angus Brayshaw's, you know, obviously great inside and outside, but with not having any pure wingmen, he was forced to go on the outside a bit more. And obviously they tried everyone they could in there. And when you're not winning as well, it's, it's incredible that, you know, an 88 when you look at the season and he started, he still started well. You know, he was hundred hundreds to start. And then obviously he had that incredibly poor patch where honestly he was unfieldable for half the season. Through that middle part of the season, he was putting 70s. Well, let's look like at that was you an know, average. Yeah, you look at that split of the year: 100, 121, 129. A down game against Sydney, 79, 104, 104. He's averaging 106 over the next first six weeks. Then long time between drinks. That's what you're talking about: 65, 76, 65, 75. Then against the Crows, a 91. Collingwood, arguably his best game of the year, a 129. Then a couple of 70s and 80s, but promisingly towards the end of the year. There was nothing for Melbourne to lose at that point. He went back into more of an inside midfield role, 106-113-85. Again, not setting the world on fire, but we got to see him back in the midfield. There is enough points around for that Melbourne side with Salem moving back really towards a behind-the-play style player. Tomlinson and Langdon being very different style of wingman, um, taking care of that outside role. It's the three bulls um, in that midfield for them that's going to carry the weight. It's Oliver, it's Viney, and it's Brayshaw. And then it's cameos of guys like Harms, Salem, Petrarca. Um, this is very much how Melbourne's going to build their midfield for the next five years. Yeah, it's really hard to be a high-scoring wingman, isn't it, MJ? Like, the yeah. only one that really consistently plays that role and scores well is Andrew Gaff. And he plays in the perfect team mm. that is almost exclusively a kick-mark team. So yeah. he's got you know, one of the best tanks. He's the great user and he plays in the perfect game style and he's 110. So that was never going to happen for Gus. He has to be on the inside yeah. and, he, and he builds his score sort of evenly across those whole columns. You know, he loves to tackle. Yeah, He's got a good handball, kick to handball ratio, but he also has the aerobic ability to get up and around the ground and take those marks. So if he's on a wing, you know, he's, he is going to be capped in the 90s. Yeah. But we saw when he gets on the inside, those tackle numbers and those clearances and those contested ball. He has that well-rounded sort of game that he can genuinely be a 110 guy across a whole, a whole season. He showed it for, you know, 14, 15 weeks yeah. in 2018. Like there's not many guys that have that even score build that he True. does. Only yeah. the very, very elite ones do it like that. And as I said, if, if Melbourne can settle on this core three midfielders, Obviously, they've got a massive advantage in the ruck, which 
which helps all of those guys with Max Gorn. And I just think clearly those two guys being recruited in, in Langdon and Tomlinson, it just settles that rotation down. Oh. Obviously had the elbow, the elbow injury in this preseason, but we know by the time the footy resumes again, he's going to be absolutely cherry absolutely. ripe. He already played round one. So I think the main thing we've got here is we've got great value. Yeah. We haven't seen that bounce back. Like you said, 105, but we know the detail in that 105 is a lot more when he got that role change. So right. people probably don't view him at the 88. Obviously, people probably view him closer to 100. But I think we both agree that there's more than 100 in Gus Brayshaw's fantasy career that's going to be coming up. Yeah, I, I think if you're in an existing keeper league, the time to buy was, was on mid last year. Um, but now in a brand new one, which is what we're talking about right now, um, you know, in the 40s where we've got him, you know, as a prospect, I'm seeing him in some brand new keeper leagues very much not get picked inside the top 50 overall selections, which again, 12 months ago, he was arguably, you know, late on the turn of the first round or on the reverse into that second round. That's how far he's dropped in people's mindset. So um, we, we've let him slide down our rankings um, accordingly uh, because of that concern, but he's value for us there. Absolutely no mistake about that. Gussie Brayshaw in at 41 for us. Then at 40, um, probably the, it's the first old man we've got in the list. And it feels wrong to call this guy an old man. But definitely his age is a predominant factor in why he slid down so far. And arguably, I suppose, um, it's one of the key reasons where we're, you see the differential between a keeper league and a single season league. Because in a keeper league, um, we've got Dusty at 40. In a single season league, he's arguably going as early as the second round as probably the second best forward option behind Lockie Whitfield this year. So we still think he's value in terms of a great pick and he's going to be good for a number of years. But the fact that he's 29 turning 30 just means you're not going to get as long out of him as others on this list. Well, the other thing, MJ, and this is, this is probably the toughest one we had yeah. so far. We could have easily had him a lot higher, but like you said, he's 29 this year. When we put this list together, we didn't know what we'd get from footy at that point. And it seems like now we're going to get something, which is great. Mm. But I just think I, people will say, oh, he's only a couple of years older than, you know, Seb Ross. Like, that's, a pretty, that's pretty good that Seb Ross is within three people of Dustin Martin. But when you get to the end of a career, two years is massive. Yeah. If we're talking about Dustin Martin having, you know, probably two or three, including yep. this year, of good years left where I say, you know, he's a 90 plus forward. Yeah. At his peak. Yep. Again, I just think of a guy and this is, I know he's contracted till 2024 and Richmond fans want him to play forever. But when I look at a guy that's got a Brownlow, two Norm Smiths, two premierships, if Richmond win another one, what's to say that at the end of 2022, 31 year old Dustin Martin made as much money as he wants. You know, is there a genuine need to keep, playing footy like we know he's been incredibly durable he's missed three games in the last four years that we've looked at for this list but I just start thinking with what you're seeing in other sports around the world these great players that have achieved everything you know does an extra year or two really matter to him you know is it just one of those things where he goes "I'm, I'm very happy that I've been durable I haven't had any major injuries no major concussions you know quit while I'm ahead almost when you've achieved everything you can in football that just gives me that little bit of cause for concern for a 29-year-old who he doesn't have to be the sole reason they win anymore, MJ. No. We saw when he had his – when 2017, when he had that absolutely 
bonkers year. Yeah. One thirteen. That's you know, last year in twenty eighteen, I mean ninety two, and then last year it was a ninety seven, and it was a bit of a split. You know, he had a slowish start, then he really got going. Yeah. But I just feel like as he gets older, with how deep Richmond is, Dustin Martin doesn't have to be this guy that gets the ball, you know, 35 times a game, kicks three goals. Like, they're so blessed that he can just be incredibly deadly up forward and more impactful, you know, with quality rather than the quantity. So, as I said, incredibly durable, as good as you can get, great scorer. But I just feel like with how good Richmond are and what they get Dusty to do now, we're not going to see these big games one after another in terms of fantasy. Like, his impact on a game is always going to be huge. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing is you look at his season early on, you know, it was, it was a very difficult start for Richmond at the start of the year with a lot of their key forward targets going down. Lynch, um, you know, slowly building, Rewalt getting injured multiple times over the first six weeks. So he needed to spend a bit of time through the forward line predominantly just to give them a target. Then through the midfield, they just got crippled. Cotchin was gone, you know, um, Caddy was gone. So many of the guys that would roll through there. So we saw the scores start to pick up 135, 109, 105, 102, 140, 128. Then from around 16 onwards, they kind of got the band back together. Um, and then we started to see the variation in his scores, a 58, an 83, a 94, a 133, a 111, a 68, a 130. That's what we're going to get from Dusty when he's, you know, playing that right role. Because let's be honest, Richmond don't need, nor do they probably want him to have 35 touches a game um, and, and just kick a goal. What they probably really want from him is 25 incredibly damaging touches a game and five or six shots a goal. Because um, through the midfield, they can cover him. Through in the forward line, gosh, there is nobody. We talk about Jordan Dugowie a couple of weeks ago. He's neck level on Jordan Dugowie. There is nobody that can is a pure one-for-one matchup on Dustin Martin. And MJ, no one's better at the moment at managing their players yeah. to be ready in September. Yeah, like, like there's no... Richmond is so far beyond the point of having to prove that they are good. And mm. Dustin Martin is so far behind of proof. He doesn't... It doesn't matter to him. He doesn't no. need... You know, you see those players that at the end of the game, they're just running as hard because they want to get that 35th, 36th touch. So then they open up the newspaper the next day and they say, oh, great, I had a massive stat line. Like, Richmond, once they get the job done... They're done. They, they just get care. through the rest of the game comfortably, move on to next week. So we haven't even factored in that Richmond's game plan is not fantasy friendly. Not at all. Like, they are just... In terms of fantasy points per goals and per winning... Like, no one is more efficient than Richmond. So, if, you know, we see Collingwood players, we see Giants players, they just get so much of the ball and fantasy points just come to those guys. And and Richmond doesn't doesn't play like that. And I just think that as good as Dustin Martin is, when I'm looking at a keeper league, I am going to bump him down a few rungs in this list because I think his scoring is about where it's going to be for the next few years. Yeah. And And I just think if there's any sort of... Yeah, exactly. He's got a few years left. And Richmond's so good that... It's not the reliance they had on the past when he was a, you know, top, top premium scorer. Exactly. Look, remember, he's at 40, so we clearly rate him. Don't, don't hear any Absolutely. of this negativity as if we don't rate him. Rather, there are some caveats as to explain why is he so low in some eyes? Well, his age. They're not the highest scoring team in the world. And everything else that we just shared with you over those past couple of minutes, still a ripping option. But again, with keeper leagues, you're always, yes, you're trying to win the premiership this year, but you are always thinking about the three to five year window upcoming as well as that current 12 months. And look for Dusty, 
he's of high value for you this year and next year. After that, it, it's a catastrophic slide beyond that. Even if MJ, he, he could play till thirty-five, he might he might prove me wrong and he might extend his contract again. But and good on him. When I look at what when I look at the resume he has, and he could have in this year or by the end of next year with the way Richmond are going. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could just see a time where he just says, you know what. I'm very happy with what I've done. As he I've should got be, yeah. my health. I've got my money. He's obviously already a Richmond legend. Yeah. As I said, that's just something that I keep in the back of my mind that I know he's contracted 2024. That's a long time away. He'll be 33 by the time that's over. Yeah. But that's not everyone plays to the end of their contract. So I that's just don't true. want people to think. So yeah, that's where I've knocked him down a couple rungs. All right. Fair enough. Uh, controversially, Tom Stewart's in at number 39 for us. Yeah, crazy, I know, to think. We're, we're suggesting we rate Tom Stewart as a higher keeper prospect um, over Dustin Martin. There's a couple of reasons for it, Kane. Age certainly is a factor, 27, so he's no spring chicken either. But over the past couple of years, since he's really came out of nowhere from the suburban Geelong Footy League, he's now proven to be one of the best defensive players in the league and he just gets it done all the time yeah it does look a bit controversial when you put him back to back and dusty <laughs> has a higher average but as i said that age is a massive factor tom stewart albeit 27 he's entering his fourth year in the league this year yeah. he's already in three seasons a two-time all australian and i think the thing we love about tom stewart is he's near impossible to shut down the way yeah. he scores he scores off intercepts and he, and he gets a lot of points off switching where, you know, the opposition's game plan is to actually sit back in a zone. So we see his scoring, how consistent it is. Mm. Like, it's insane that this guy does not let you down. Like, no. every week, he, he, 10, 10 points, 10 to 15 points either side of 95 is basically his range. He's either 80 yep. or 110. Yep. About, you know, 85, 90% of the year. Like, he's just incredible. And I look at, you know, Geelong's team, no one really fills that void like he does. Like when mm. you've got the mix of intercept, uh, obviously his marking's incredible and his kicking is really, really elite. There's no one that's really going to take this role off him, I see, in that Geelong side. No, that's right. Look, you know, the, someone like a Zach Tui, they love his run and dash as a rebounder. Uh, Jordan Clark, who they picked up a couple of years ago through the draft, they're looking to place him further up the ground through the wings. Um, and so he's this perfect modern day defender where he's equally as damaging on a tall. He's, he's perfectly comfortable to manage himself up against a tall and lock them down. Equally, he's able to peel off an intercept. And then he, he's got some wheels about him. Look, he's no Zach Tui in, in contrast to that side, but he's not a slow player. Um, so he's this perfect player to be able to get. And you're right, that durability um, to perform week in, week out, and that consistency where you know, look, he is old school players, know the Corey Enright player. He's exactly like that, where it's this, yep, 95 and a 10 to 15 either side of that week in week out he probably won't win you a game in a head-to-head matchup he, he's not a game-breaking player yet i think his career high score is like a 124 so if you're needing a 140 to chase down and it's a 1v that score he's not going to be the guy but what he is going to do conversely and it's equally as important is he's not going to cost you a game with a horrible basement score no he's just an absolute rock in defense he yeah. he won't let you down and i think that you know 
he's going to have a game where he, he just takes 16 marks, MJ, and has, yeah. you know, 25 kicks. Like, he's just the role he plays. He has kicking duties as well. So, if you've gotten a monopoly on that, you know, who knows what he could score. But when you've got the durability he has, mm. and he doesn't get any attention because you're not – like, what can you do? He's intercepting the ball. He's taking kick-ins, and he's switching. Like, you know, you don't play that close on someone when they're switching. It, you know, the whole – the team structure is built to not stop these guys anymore. And that's why they get these incredible mark numbers. So yeah. when I look at a guy like Stuart, I just see him living in that 90 to a hundred range. If mm. everything went right in a year, he could go triple figures. But like sure. you said, ceiling's not really his, his game. You know, no. it's every week consistent. And if you've got a guy that I look at at 27, four to five years, you know, look at Shannon Hearn does at his age now. I don't yeah, see why. True. Tom Stewart, who's got that sort of interceptability and elite kick, can't be a 90 to 100 guy for the next four years. And, and sometimes we go, oh, four years of 90 to 100. That's, that's not enough. Now, I know we've just talked about Dusty, who, who's, who's got probably arguably two years less. I think the difference um, with Tom Stewart is, one, he's only just entered into the league. And so arguably, like a Dane Zorko and others that we've seen, kind of can last their career a little bit longer because they haven't had as much miles in the legs at the elite level. So their body's got a little bit more in them to be able to get through the tank. But also, let's be honest, to get a 90, 95 plus defender for four or five years, that is so ridiculously difficult to get. Like there's a, there's a handful of defenders that we've got ranked above him. But outside of that, they are rare to get that will retain position and he will. That's what I was going to say, MJ. That's the caveat though, isn't it? We've seen, even if we go back in the time machine, Brendan Goddard, Bryce yeah. Gibbs, Dyson Heppel, a lot of those guys started across halfback. Yeah. But then you know what happens? They get shifted into the midfield. Yeah. And obviously their scoring usually rises a little bit, but it's not, it's not enough to make up for that, you know, scarcity of having a, a 90 back. So when I look at the guys we've got ahead on this list, there's no one that I feel more comfortable will retain defender status mm. than him. Like there yeah. are some guys on this list that I'm confident, but at the same time, if you know the side did something different, I could see them in a different position on the ground. But what Tom Stewart does, as I said, there's not many players in the league that can do it, both defensively, in the air, kicking. Like it's just a perfect mix. And now with this new kick-in rule, we saw what it did to some players last year you know, 10 to 15 points a week just on that alone. So, yeah, I think Tom Stewart's as safe as you can get. Yeah, well, he, he jumped up pretty much 15, 16 points last year. Back in 2018, he was averaging just shy of, of 90. It was a 79.8, jumped up to that 95. He was doing even stronger. If you look at the splits to the start of the year, he was averaging over 100 for pretty much half of the year. So, um, look, I think he's a, a ripping option and, and, and undervalued um, in, in the fantasy footy community, to be honest. And so, yeah, he's in at 39 for us. So, Seb Ross at 43, Rowan Marshall, 42, Gussie Brayshaw at 41, Dusty at 40, Stuart, who we spoke about at 39. Let's talk about two more, Kane, before we wrap up this episode. In at 38, he's a mid-forward eligible. He's not going to be a forward for long. Let's just put that out there right now. And one of the hardest things we've had to factor into this list is to do two things. One, let someone's history not overly determine where we rank them. Otherwise, their age and their pedigree might overly rank them out for us. Someone like a Dusty is a great example of that. Also, it's really dangerous to only rank people on potential because one of the most dirty words in fantasy footy to use is 
potential because it's either going to be fulfilled or unfulfilled. But everything we're seeing about this kid, 22 games, one year in, Bailey Smith, he's got a lot of potential, but we're both pretty bullish on him. Yeah, well, as you said, MJ, the, the danger with potential is you look where we've got him on this list and you think about the type of pick you're going to have to use to get him Yeah. and what you're giving up with the players we've just spoken about before, you know, four four to five years of 90 in a forward and a back. Yeah, like, proven. You too. really have proven and, and proven to the sense that they're all Australians. So yeah. you, have, you are taking a risk when you yes. have a player like this, but we know... If you want those 110 guys, 9 out of 10 come from either incredible junior stock mm. or very high draft picks. Very, very high. So you have to spend it if you want to invest in a future gun for the next 10 years. And people don't understand, Paley Smith had a serious Achilles injury that ended his junior year, mm. restricted preseason in a Bulldogs outfit that is loaded with players, especially players that are midfield forward sort of hybrids. They've just got heaps of those. Yet they put him in in round one. Mm. He plays every game and the final. Like, if that doesn't say something about a bloke that, you know, it was pick seven in the draft, like, they clearly, clearly rate this kid. And to turn up in his first season, I know how big you are yeah. on that stat. And when you look at that stat and the players that have done it, it's pretty easy to see why it's an important stat. It is. It's one of those stats that, are, when, again, you're right. It's one of those key markers for me as a first-year player in your first 20 games. Can you turn up? And, again, that's purely focusing on a midfielder. For me, that's one of the key things I look for. Guys like Nat Fife was able to deliver it. Um, Jackson McRae was able to deliver. Clayton Oliver, I believe, was able to even deliver us a sneaky one um, in his opening year. It's one of the, is it foolproof? Absolutely not. Um, but is it one of those like, okay, man, like inside 20 games or 15 games, I think it was um, round 14 or 15, he got his first ton and his only ton of his career so far. You're like, okay, th- th- there's something here about this guy. And you're right, you talk about this Bulldogs lineup. He's squeezing out now, they're different players, but. You know, Toby McLean could barely get a centre of bounce attendance at, at points last year after being such a, a favourite of Luke Beveridge just the season before. They have got a really strong core three inside centre bounces, and that is McRae, Fontampelli, absolutely, and one of my favourites, Josh Dunkley. But he's finding a way to even penetrate into that really elite company through there because he adds something defensively that, None of those three boys are anywhere near as good as what he is. Yeah, when you look at that 100, they had 14 tackles, MJ. Mm. And I think when, what we spoke about with Angus Brayshaw having a well-rounded game, you've either got to do that and be great at be really good at everything, or you've got to be absolutely incredible at one stat. We know Gaff, with his marking, is incredible for a yeah. midfielder, the numbers he gets. And, and Bailey Smith, in his first season, already showed potential to be an elite tackler. Yeah. You know, a guy that's eight tackles a week. Fact of the fact, he kicked 11 goals, MJ. It's pretty good, eh? 11, 11 goals for a guy that was mid-forward. And the, and the number as well that always jumps out with these guys is such low time on ground. Like, and that's just normal. You know that a guy that he's... We've, I've read articles about this guy's sort of work ethic on and off the field. And some mm. say that's why he got injured his junior year anyway, was that he was doing so much to get ready for AFL level that... He caused injury on himself, but yeah. his first his first four games, MJ, went at fifty five. Yeah. After that, he finished the season his last five, eighty five. Yeah. Like, 
James Warple, similar trajectory. Yeah. These guys, they find a way to get themselves into the team mm. and then that you can't get them out. That's like right. Taranto, Oliver, Warple, they've all assumed a role that, yeah, there were some lucky breaks that went their way sure. that got them in the side. But these gun kids, as you said, Terry McLean's a great player. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? They find a role for Bailey Smith. It might not be the midfield role inside midfield every week, but they find a role to groom them. And when, when I see him playing 23 games in a season with, no, with barely any preseason yeah. and producing, like you said, one ton, you know, there's four or five 90-plus scores already. Yeah. And that's with no role, limited time on ground. So as I said, we're ta- you are taking a risk, but when you tick the boxes he ticks yeah. and you finish the season like he finished, which says to me that starting to get his body under him, starting to get used to the level, yeah. like in an outfit that already is stacked with talent, it's huge. Yeah, and then round one, again, wasn't a factor for us in building this list, but round one, shortened games. Remember that. And still 23 disposals, uh, 20 um, managed to score a 95, couple of clearances, seven tackles. So there's that column defensively you're talking about, picking up a couple of extra marks. So, yep, is there risk involved in this pick? Of course there is. He's only played 24 games of AFL football at the elite level. But everything is screaming he's going to be a long-term 105-110 midfielder for us long-term. And the additional upside for us, he's a forward for us this year. You you sneak an 85 forward for you. That's actually, you can put that on the field, whereas an 85 mid in their second year, eh, bench cover at best. Yeah, I just think, as we said, MJ, if you want these guys that are going to become the uber elites, our top sort of 10 on this list, yeah, you have to, you have to roll the dice yes. on one of these guys because someone else will. Like, you're not going to get them to slide. And I'd rather take the punt on a Bailey Smith rather than a guy that I think's already established at just, say, a 1995. Because yeah. I reckon I can find a guy like that a round or two later. Again, sometimes you just have to hitch your wagon to a kid. And when I've got a kid that off injury plays every game, Junior numbers are as good, if not better, than Sam Walsh's if you track some of the games that he scored in. Yeah. And he's in a team that clearly, when you get a role, you can score. When you look at the big three midfielders they have in the Bulldogs' side, um, yeah, this is the type of guy I want to take a punt on. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. All right, let's wrap up this episode with our final player, teammate uh, of Bailey Smith. And again, another player that probably would have been sitting on the waiver wire 12 months ago would not have made the list, much like Rowan Marshall, who we spoke about earlier. But Caleb Daniel really has emerged out of nowhere after a couple of seasons averaging in the you know that mid-70s range as this kind of occasional wingman, occasional center bounce, but predominantly spending a lot of time off half forward found a home and his elite ball skills and decision-making off half back. We saw him kind of experiment with it towards the back of 2018. And it was a fantastic move from Luke Beveridge. And at just an incredibly young age, still just 24 years old, gosh, Caleb Daniel's going to be a really good long-term option for us. Yeah, obviously, MJ, there is some risk with him, you know, assuming that new role. We've only really seen him hold it down for one whole year, but when you look at that Bulldog side, he's not a small pressure forward. Nope. I know he started his career up there and he is a great kick and he can play that sort of Boomer Harvey role where you're the one that, you know, sets up your teammates beautifully inside 50. 
we just spoke about the stacked midfield. He's not an inside mid. So no. when I look at that, and, and these guys aren't old, so they're building around this group of core players. And I think Caleb Daniel, you know, they've got Johannesson for the speed. You know, Crozier is a, a guy that's at his size is still a great mark overhead, a great interceptor. Yeah. Caleb Daniel's a distributor. Yeah. Takes the kick-ins, really tidy. And you know, in this style of game you see in the AFL now, you can't turn it off, turn the ball over across half back. No. And Caleb Daniel rarely turns it over. He's, in terms of handball receives, they always want to give him the ball, and he always makes the right decision. Mm. So when I look at that, I just think this is a guy that, okay, he'll settle in in the back line. I'm not really worried about losing the position. And what's crazy, MJ, is that he took his disposals from 21 to 26. Yeah. And crazily enough, his kicks went from 10 to 17. Wow. So all of a sudden, you've got this boost of seven points a week automatically just by him kicking more on, more than his handballing. So it's amazing that that role also gave him a boost, not just in getting the ball, but using it by foot, which is yeah. his best asset. So you think about that, a 93 average with an injury-affected game and also an interrupted end of the season with a hamstring that's just sort of was niggling all the way throughout. Mm. He's already shown a better ceiling than Tom Stewart. Yep. He's younger. Yeah. And, and it's while he, he can be more easily stopped than Stewart, it's hard to stop a guy taking kickouts and getting the handball receives off his teammates. And again, he just finds space. He's just a smart footballer. Yeah, you're right. He's got a little bit more deviation in his scoring about him, you know, like a couple of scores in the 60s. I think it was about three scores, 65 or below last year. So, yeah, he's got a bit more of a worrying basement. And they're against really teams that put on a lot of pressure on defense, on the defenders getting the ball out of defensive 50. Brisbane, Geelong, and St Kilda. You know, you look through the stats from last year, they were three of the harder teams for defenders to score against. And yet, though, on the reverse side, he's got more ceiling than a lot of the other defenders we've spoken about right now. 135 against Collingwood, a 125 against Richmond, a 112 against Carlton, just three of the six tons he got last year. So he's got ceiling about him. And outside of two injuries last year, durability is not really a concern because he barely missed a game the few seasons before it. Yeah, exactly, MJ. And I think the thing we've spoken about and we've noticed a lot when we're looking at these guys and trying to split them up is that how can you project them into the future? You know, what are the, the avenues they can increase their scoring? And mm. for a guy that plays the role he plays across halfback where he's, you know, for the most, most part, he's pretty unaccountable. You know, he's just a distributor. He only averaged 3.9 marks a game. When yeah. you look at the other guys that are massive scorers in defense, Lloyd, Hawley, Sicily, Stewart, Hearn, they're all six plus. Yeah. Like, and some of these guys are closer to eight than six. So if, so if Caleb Daniel can start getting a few more of those easy marks, you know, two marks a game, even if we just put that in alone, he's pushing 100 right there. Mm. And, and I think the yeah. style that the Bulldogs play flicking it around at his age, again, like Stuart, he probably fits in that similar basket where he's 90 to 100, but he's a younger version. Yeah, you're getting three more seasons of it. Um, 
Yeah, and he is also the guy that can win you a game. Yes, he'll cost you probably as many games he wins you in a year, he'll cost you um, for certain. But look, I, I really like, I don't see any reason. I know Bevo's changed a lot uh, of how he likes to structure up his players, but defensively, they don't muck around too much. It's rather the versatility through the mids and forwards they look for. I think they've found an absolute winner for them as that um, key distributor off half back really setting up their elite wingman. You know, Lockie Hunt is a fantastic wingman, um, you know, for the side. And then they've got these other great midfielders in McRae who knows how to find space. Bontempelli knows how to find space. And then now they've got those key forward targets up front in an Aaron Norton, um, you know, that's going to anchor that forward line. You know, Josh Bruce is going to accommodate them. Sam Lloyd's a, a really crafty forward. So there's not really much movement that I can see that's going to impact Caleb Daniels' role, which is good news for us for fantasy coaches. Yeah, and the other thing, MJ, as well, is they bring in your man, Alex Keith from the Crows, yeah. another great interceptor. You know, that just makes it even easier to possess the ball in the back half of just stopping those entries and just intercepting the ball. So when I look at a Daniel, who obviously does rely on, you know, teammates giving him the ball, he doesn't yep. win a stack of contested ball. He's not an interceptor per se in the air. He's a good interceptor at ground level and he reads the play really yep. well. But the more his teammates can stop attacks and give him the ball the more his score is and you look at a player like jake lloyd you know he's going to build his score in that similar fashion yeah get the ball in his hands he'll make a smart decision we'll get it up the ground and then all of a sudden we can use all these great avenues to go with norton with bruce you know sam lloyd like they've got enough weaponry down there and yeah and daniel plays such an important role in getting these guys safely out of defense and as i said at his age you know I don't think he's ever going to be much more than 100. I think that's sort of his ceiling. Yep. But conversely, I don't think he's going to let you down too much more below 90. And again, I don't have any real worries about the role. And I think you can definitely build a team with a guy that's going to be a top 10 back for the next, you know, six, seven years. Yeah, I think so too. That's who we've got uh, as the next seven that we're happy to reveal. Leaving us at number 37, there is Caleb Daniel. We're a little bit further ahead though for Patreon. So uh, if you want to go and check out where we're at with the countdown and get the articles where Kane and I tell you a little bit more in-depth outtake and specific player podcasts. We spend 10, 15, 20 minutes dissecting the fantasy relevance of every single one of these players. Then join our Patreon army. Anyone that joins throughout the month of May at any tier level, you will get access to these podcasts and articles. We'll chat to you in a little bit over a week's time. We'll share with you seven more players who are ranked in our Keeper League prospects. This is not ranks. This is prospects. We hope you're doing well. We hope ISO life is navigating okay for you, but it looks like, thankfully, footy's not too far away. <laughs>